This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bridget and Scott, the Bruins improved to 2-0 on the young season with a 3-2 win over the Nashville Predators at the TD Garden. How are you guys? And how does it feel that the Bruins are, you know, so far so good? Everything looks looks pretty good so far. I'm okay. Battling through a little bit of a mini cold, but I, I think we'll be fine. Uh, as for the Bruins, uh, you know, I think we can just go right into our opening shifts. And mine is about the power play, which... Uh, we we saw a lot of special teams both ways, and I'm sure we'll get into both the power play and penalty kill, but I think it's a really encouraging sign to see the Bruins' top power play unit get going with a pair of goals Saturday, both scored by James Van Riemsdyk. Um, but even just goals aside, I think you saw better movement from that unit. And in a season where we all think goals are going to be harder to come by than they were last year, you're going to need your power play to be consistent. You know, as good as last year's team was, let's not forget second half of the season, the power play went cold, like really cold for basically a two month stretch. Uh, That can't happen this year because I don't think you're going to have the five on five offense, the three, four line depth, uh, you know, to, to just outscore teams at five on five. So the top power play, you know, was a little sloppy game one on Wednesday, much better game two and you know it it doesn't have to be two goals every night because that's not realistic but I do think they're gonna have to pretty consistently produce and not go through any sort of prolonged slumps so Saturday a step in the right direction yeah and and mine is kind of related so I wanted to talk about James Van Riemsdyk who you mentioned scored twice once on the power play and he's someone that is obviously new to the team. We thought that he was going to have that role net front on the power play, and we've already seen it pay dividends uh, for him even strength as well as on the power play. So um, he already has as many, uh, was it? I think he already has as many power play goals or goals as he did last year. So his offensive output is potentially from that spot going to really help the Bruins. And to his to what he can do, even strength. I really do like him with Zaka and Pasternak so far. That line has been one of the lines I don't think has struggled or lacked chemistry um, through the first two games. So I think that's a positive sign for them, just how well he's been fitting in there. Yeah, Van like had two power play goals all last season on obviously a bad Flyers team that had a bad power play and match that total just on Saturday night alone. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, Tortorella was running the umbrella last year on the power play for Philly. So their their top unit wasn't very great. But yeah, I mean, naturally, I'll I'll be the one to kind of just, I suppose, have an opening take and more of a not pessimistic, just a little bit. It's just something I've just been feeling all off season, and that is, I just don't believe that Charlie Coyle is is longed for uh, a top six, top two center role, mainly because it's a lot to ask of him to shut down an opposing team's, you know, top top two center or top two line in and of itself. I think he's capable of doing that from a defensive standpoint, but at the same time, I think it's going to be a challenge for him to, to, to play an offensive role for not only himself, but a facilitator for, for DeBrusque and Marchand on that, on that line. And I just think that whether it's, Look, obviously the, the the sexy idea is to put Potcher there, right? But it it just can't be Coil, I think, long term for this team to have success in the postseason if that's what if that's what their goal is, right? So I, I just think that for me, he's he's better slotted as a third line center. If, if Charlie Coil is your third line center, your team is just a lot deeper. And you know, I fear that to no fault of his own because he's hustling, he's trying, and he's and he's playing well, but good for coil isn't good enough in that role because you you can't just get by defensively in that role you have to help make the players around you better and and help them produce and marshan and debrusque they need to produce and if coil's not the guy to get that out of them consistently i think the bruins need to consider moving him back to a more natural position as third line center at some point this season probably sooner rather than later yeah it's really interesting because the way that they're using that line is that's like their checking line, like their matchup line, it, it, you know, Marshan Coyle, DeBrusque are seeing a lot of the opponent's top line, you know, against Chicago is the Connor Bedard line against Nashville is the Ryan O'Reilly line. And they're getting a lot of D zone starts. And it's like for Coyle, that's similar to what he did last year as third line center. That's how his line with Taylor Hall and, Trent Frederick was used last year. It is how we've seen a Patrice Bergeron line used in the past, but obviously the difference is that Bergeron was such a good two-way player that he could handle those tough matchups and D zone starts. And that line would still generate a bunch of scoring chances. Um, You're right that like, I don't think Coyle can do both. You, if he's going to be a shut, be using like a shutdown role, then it should probably be on the third line because you don't want Marshan and DeBrusque just buried in tough matchups all the time, spending a lot of time in their own zone, which is kind of what's happening so far. So, you know, on the one hand, like it is freeing up their other lines, like just to go to a advanced stats corner here, um, the Bruins other three lines, all 66% or better expected goals for percentage. Basically, like, all the Zaka line, the Potra line, the Beecher line, all getting, like, at least two-thirds of goal opportunities when they're on the ice. That's great. The Coyle, Marsh, and DeBrusque line, 43%. Like, again, it's very early. It's a very small sample size. But unless the other three lines are all going to, you know, really put up some points and produce... I just think that's sort of a waste of, of 
you know, Martian and DeBrusque's offensive talent. And, and at some point you're going to want to get those guys into more offensive situations. Um, so I'm kind of with you, especially with this, you know, with the short nine game sample of Patra, it does make sense to me to try that at some point and give a Martian Patra DeBrusque line, not just a look, but give them offensive opportunities and then have Frederick Coyle geeky sort of be that checking line that gets some tougher matchups. Yeah. And I, I want to make sure I predicate what I'm about to say, because I completely agree with both of you, but I want to predicate that on saying that Charlie Coyle isn't playing bad hockey. He's just not a fit there, right? Charlie Coyle has been playing great on the penalty kill. He has been working really hard. He He's not a bad hockey player, but just when you put him next to Marshawn and DeBrusque, you just need to have someone in that position that's more of a playmaker. Not that Charlie Coyle can't be that, but he's not hes not like that at the level that he needs to be um, to keep up with those two. So um, I don't think he's terrible there, but I do think they have a better solution in Patra available at least to try. Um, I haven't seen anything from Pacha that would make me think he wouldn't be a good fit there. In fact, in the preseason, he and DeBrusque got some time together as well as him and Marshawn getting time together and they, they looked pretty good together. So try it for sure. Um, short sample size for Pacha, but he has a, a more similar skill set to a Krejci than, um, than Coyle does like, and, and Krejci is one of the best playmaking centers the Bruins have ever had. So um, if you're trying to put someone that can make plays to set up Marshawn, and DeBrusque try him. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I want to see it. Um, I think it could work well. Um, as I already said, I think he's sticking around for longer than the nine games. So if it works after, you know, trying it once or twice, maybe roll with it and, and, you know, see if it can be a long-term line for you. And then that kind of solves your situation where you do move coil back into that more natural third line center role. Um, but I do also want to say, and I think that Brian, this is something you wanted to talk about as well. Brad Marchand has been playing like a pest, like he kind of like vintage Brad Marchand. And I kind of feel like he's been taking himself out of games a little bit. Um, so I don't know if all the blame on that line can go straight to coil. I just want to hear what you guys have to say about, you know, maybe some other faults that might be slowing that, that line down a little bit. Yeah. I, and I'm glad you mentioned that coil hasn't played bad because he hasn't, he's played well. It's just the fact of the matter is he has a ceiling and that ceiling isn't high enough to be to be a top two center because there's going to be times throughout the year where where guys are slumping and if Marshan's in a ten game slump, you know scoreless slump, and or DeBrusque is in a big slump, is Charlie Coyle that guy who can make something happen out of nowhere and 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 catapult them into in, into point you know scoring points and getting feeling better about themselves? No, like Patrice Bergeron could do that. Matt Patra is a player where you can see him creating something out of nothing. Martian hasn't scored in 10 games, scores a goal. Now he's feeling good about himself. The problem with Coyle is that there's just a lack of high-end offensive production. There's a lack of consistency there in a top six role. It's not that he's not capable of making plays now and again, but a top two center can't make plays now and again. You have to make them on a consistent you know, gamely basis. Even if you're not converting all the time, you have to be creating chances. So your question about Marshand, I think he's had definitely a, um, again, it's two games, but he doesn't, he doesn't seem to have that, that um, 
oh, the puck's on the stick, something's about to happen, um, which which is usually the case with him. So it might just be a matter of creating chemistry with 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 Coyle. And and you're right, there's been a lack of discipline. I mean, last game against Nashville, I want to say there was give or take, correct me if I'm wrong, about 400 penalty minutes in that game. Yeah. Um, so it was um, it was clearly a parade to the penalty box. And it's one of those situations where the second period in particular, the Bruins – probably spent in all seriousness it, what seemed like half the period on the on the penalty kill and then Brad Marchand goes and you know cross checks Gustav Nyquist in the ribs after the after a play and it's like you know this isn't 2010 where you're trying to make a team you were just named captain of the Boston Bruins in their 100th season play like it so yeah I think it's a combination of Coyle's ceiling isn't there offensively to help those guys and it's just been a slow start for those two wingers uh driving to the net maybe yeah, you know, the Martian thing, it's like, yes, Nyquist sold it a bit, but you can't, you just can't put yourself in position to even give the ref a chance to make the call, to even give Nyquist a chance to pretend he's hurt. Like, even though, even though Martian has a C on his chest, he's still not going to get the benefit of the doubt. And yeah, to, you know, to reiterate what you guys said, like, Dallin's not playing poorly. I mean, Coyle's only been on the ice for one goal against so far. Um, he got a ton of penalty kill minutes Saturday, but at the end of the second period, he actually had exactly as much shorthanded ice time as five on five ice time. So in that sense, it was just a weird night for any line to really find much rhythm. So, um, you know, definitely don't want to like overreact too much, but again, I think I would be more willing to just kind of let it ride and see what happens if it wasn't for the fact that like you have a decision to make on Patra now within the next seven games. And it's like, I mean, so far I think he's clearly doing enough to stay anyways. So I'm not super worried about it, but if there's at all a chance that they're thinking about sending him back, like, I think it'd be a disservice to not give him time with Martian and DeBrusque and see what he looks like there. And um, to, to that point, they did do that a little bit in the first game. Like, we saw Jim Montgomery rotate lines a lot more in the first game than he did in the second game. And and Marshawn did get shifts with Patra at different points in the first game. So, like, it is something that I think he's very tempted to try. Maybe do it for a whole game. Um, just, you know, get a longer look at it than he did in game one. Well, it's also, it's also going to be interesting if he does do it now. Now they're out on a road trip, so you don't have last change, you know. If you do it at home, you can potentially sort of pick and choose your matchups with that line. Now you go on the road, you know, other teams could put whatever line they want to out against that. If they want to say, hey, you know, we're going to throw our number one center out against Potter and really test the kid. Like now you're open up to that. The the other thing there, though, is that they're not exactly facing the cream of the crop. I mean, you have I am the Sharks. You are yeah, I mean, you do have the Los Angeles. Yeah, you do have the Los Angeles Kings uh, this coming Saturday, so that's a real test, uh, and especially at the center position, that's one of the deepest teams down the middle in the league. But yeah, other than that, like Sharks can't really give you a whole lot of a test. The Ducks, the Blackhawks, and then the Ducks again. It's like, and even even the Blackhawks and Predators to start. You know, we talked about the Blackhawks, but it's the same thing about the Predators they're not a very deep team. Like there's once you get to 
the third, fourth lines, there's a lot of like, who is that guy? Like, where'd he come from? And so I think that's thrown up. Cause like, I'm looking at, you know, I mentioned like some of the advanced stats for the, the coil line. I'm looking at like the Potra Frederick geeky line. So far when they've been on the ice this season, the Bruins are out attempting opponents 25 to 10. And you look at that and you're like, wow, that's excellent. Like terrific. And then you look at who they face and it's like, well, they're facing third and fourth lines of the Blackhawks and Predators, which are not the best third and fourth lines they're going to be facing. So, um, you know, th- this is like, there's a lot to break down the Bruins so far, but there's also a lot of grains of salt you have to throw into all this because they're, they've faced two teams that don't don't throw the deepest offenses at you. That's true, but the fact of the matter is, as you alluded to, that that's their schedule for the, for the, for much of the first month of the season. Certainly, Potter's nine-game trial. They don't have a ton of deep teams on the schedule, so it is what it is. And I just think that I understand why Zaka and Coyle were one and two going into the season, but nobody saw Patra pushing like he did, and the fact that he has has changed the entire landscape. And I just think that clearly though he's only played two NHL games, we've watched him in camp. You know when somebody is a playmaker and a game breaker when you see it, especially at that age. And he, and he is just that. He's only going to get better and better. And and I just think that Coyle right now, given the Patra, um, you know, explosion onto the scene, he's 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 a force right now. He's a force to be in that second line center role with, my, with uh, Marchand and DeBrusque. And we also know that he has chemistry with with Frederick, so it's it just seems like a natural opportunity to 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 see what Patrick can do in, in this moment. And and you, you, like I said, Frederick and Coyle have the chemistry. We don't think he'll ever make that with with Marshan and DeBrusque, simply because there's just a there's a caliber difference there offensively with those players. And and so I I think there's an opportunity there, like you guys mentioned, for Patrick in there and. And hopefully, like I said, if Charlie Cole is your third line center, it doesn't matter who you're playing because, you know, now now you're matching center depth with the best in the league. Obviously, Patra is not an established number two guy, but if Coyle's in your third line center, it's all of a sudden it's it's just it's just a better situation for the team overall. Um, any follow up on that before we move along to some of the specifics from the Predators game? Yeah, so I think that just to stick with Patra, I want to hear all of your opinions on specifically how he played in game two because we gave him really good grades for game one. Um, And I think that he took a little bit of a step back in game two, but still um, definitely on pace to stay with the team. He had some miscues, but then like, which we expect, we don't expect him to be perfect. Um, He had some turnovers, but then he always seemed to recover. Um, so that is what you want to see from him. He actually, like, I think he saved a goal at one point in the third. He grabbed a puck right off the the post, which kind of ended up there because he turned it over, but he ended up um, turning back around, taking the puck uh, pretty much off the goal line and, and saving it. So that's what you want to see. He's, you know, at least going and getting the puck back. And it didn't end up in the back of the net after a turnover because he worked his butt off to make sure it didn't end up there. Um, he did have some pretty good plays made I think the special teams game because there was so much of it made the night a little bit choppy for him um because he's not he does get time on the second power play unit but he's not on the penalty kill a lot and 
Uh, a lot of the time in that game was spent on the penalty kill for the Bruins. So uh, not definitely not as good as his first game, but still no means does it make you go, oh, maybe he's not ready. Yeah, and even, I mean, maybe it wasn't as good, but like I still thought it was a really solid game. And, and I thought that line looked good. I thought Trent Frederick had a really strong game. I thought Gigi looked pretty good. Um, you know, one thing that's impressive with Potter that, you know, obviously we talk about all his poise with the puck and, you know, puck support, like kind of always being in the right position. I also see him at the net front a lot, which has been a huge point of emphasis for from Jim Montgomery. Um, specific, you know, really he wants two forwards going to the net front for any shot from the point. And I, I feel like I've seen Potter there pretty consistently making an effort to get there for whether it's screen tips, rebounds, and, you know, he there's a few. A he he was there for a tip uh, chance last game. Uh, game yeah. Two, I should say him and Frederick tend to be the ones that are, that are right there near the net. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed geeky there too. I think that line in general has done a really good job of it. Um, obviously that's, you know, one of Van Riemsdyk's strengths, which we'll get into. He's, you know, another guy you see there. Um, but yeah, I mean, for, for, a smaller guy like Patra, obviously he, he's still in that mode of trying to do everything he can to make the team, but it's like, it's at least a really, you know, it's really encouraging to see him doing it because I think there's still some other forwards who aren't being as aggressive getting there and are, you know, maybe hanging a little off to the side at times, but he, he has definitely not been one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Bridget to answer your question, um, and, and you and you alluded to it, the special teams, there's no rhythm. I mean, from the puck, the, the, the time the, the puck dropped to start that game, the refs were just trying to become famous. And I, while I agree, a lot of the calls maybe technically by the 2023 NHL rulebook may have been penalties. Just what do you, I mean, what are you doing calling like, you know, eight, nine penalties per team? It's just let, like, you're totally killing the rhythm of the game. That said, he is on the second power play unit for Boston, so he wasn't totally iced out. But the simplest way I can answer that question is game one, they're down one nothing. He gets a secondary assist. As Scott mentioned, I believe you, you lose him pulling up in the in the Chicago game. Um, like that is he he is the reason that that goal ended up in the back of the net. Fast forward to game two, he he draws he draws the the penalty on Lozon to get the Bruins in the power play through hard work and the Bruins tie the game. So both games so far this year, they're down one, nothing. And because of Matt Potra's initiative in one way, shape or form, they tie the game. So he's impacting the game. So is he, did he play a perfect game in game two? No, nobody in the Bruins did. So that's all you can really ask for. He's impacting each game in a positive way. And he's getting, he's getting his team on the board or helping them get on the board. And not every Bruin can say that so far this year. In fact, he's the only really one. So I, I think just it's very impressive so far. The only thing that I will say that I, that I forgot to mention earlier is just that the face-off percentage was not good. Um, it was below 30%. So um, that needs to get worked on, obviously. Um, and, you know, that's really more of just a getting reps against NHL players kind of thing, I think. So um, that was – kind of the only thing that I noticed on the stat sheet from him that I was like, Oh, that's not great. Cause the Bruins, they, they did lose the battle, uh, face-offs against 
Nashville. So I went back through and I'm like, okay, let's see like who brought the numbers down and, and Pacho was pretty low on that list. So yeah, he was, he was two for seven. Um, you know, he, he was going to face us in the preseason though. He was really good in the OHL last year. So not going to be too worried, like unless that kind of drags on and becomes, becomes a longer issue. 